Welcome to the Ragged Scratch podcast. I'm your host, Natalie, and thank you for joining us for the final episode of Season 3. Later in the episode, we get festive and learn that sharing isn't always caring in returning writer Molly Sweeney's A Very Special Gift, and I catch up with what Molly's been up to this year. But first, for those who like a slightly more unsettling story on Christmas Eve... Miles beneath the ocean surface, in the depths of the Mariana Trench, Romy and Leo are left in complete darkness when the lights on their deep-water submersible are taken out. Lindsay G. Partain's Monsters Beyond the Midnight Zone was directed and edited by Ross Berman and stars Sarah Lynham as Romy and Alex Pitcher as Leo. Ten thousand four hundred. Ten thousand five hundred meters. Incredible. Hey, oh my God! What? what? Did you see it? No. Did you see that thing? I didn't catch it. It happened too fast. Uh, where are the lights? Whatever it was, it took them out when it swooped through. It must have shaken something loose in the submersible. The emergency lights should have come on. Leo, how are we supposed to get back to the surface if we can't see the controls? We've taken this dive a dozen times. But we've never been this far under. We can do this. We can remember the controls. It's just a few switches and a lever. I've been doing this for years. It's muscle memory. It is. I know it is. Muscle memory. Right. We'll just feel around until we... Romy. Oh, God! Romy, you need to turn that off. I'm trying! Romy... Romy, turn it off. We don't want to. You need to turn it off before it hears. Oh, oh, thank God. It stopped. It's off. Leo, we're going to be all right. Do you think it hurt us? I think it did. Have you found the right lever yet? It It was somewhere over here. Damn it, we need to get to the surface now. I'm sorry, I'm trying. I can't see in the dark, Leo. I need your help. Shh. Don't shh me. Ow, don't grab. You're hurting me. Quiet. Can't you hear that? It's out there. Leo. We need to find the right controls. There's got to be a, 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 a torch or, or, or a lighter, Relax, something. okay? The more we panic, the more oxygen we burn through. Do you remember where the dial was at before the monster? It wasn't a monster, Romy. Get a grip. Monsters aren't real. <laughs> I don't know what else to call something that massive living this far Wait. underwater. Wait. You had to have seen it. That giant tentacle. <gasps> I... What if we just... Ah, uh, don't. It's a possibility. 
What if we really found a live colossal squid? <gasps> what if that's what's... A headlamp, maybe. Uh, we couldn't be so stupid that we forgot a headlamp. Just focus. Where's the lever? <gasps> Jesus. Oh, God. Holy shit. Oh, God. Oh, God. Oh, God. Oh, God. Oh God. <laughs> We've got to get out of here. I need to get back. Wait, oh. wait, 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 wait. I... I... I think I found it. Are we moving? Oh, we're moving. Oh, thank God, thank God. <laughs> thank me. I'm the one who found it. Oh. <sighs> Oh, I was getting all these horrible flashes of things I've never done. Places I'd never see. I yelled at my daughter before I left. <laughs> well, when we get back up, you can buy me breakfast. And give her a call to tell you sorry. Mm. Whoa! <laughs> can you hear my heart beating? <laughs> oh, man. <sighs> what do you want for breakfast? Do they serve pancakes in Guam? Because I could really go for a stack. <laughs> Is it ramming us? It must be following the salt back to the surface. So think we're food. Maybe. What was that? Romy, what was that sound? Oh, God. What is it? The glass is breaking. No. Leo, the glass is breaking. Impossible. There's a huge crack. Do you have any idea how thick that window is? Do you have any idea? We need to get back to the surface and we need to go faster. We can't go any faster. This is as fast as it goes. Uh, are you prepared to swim out? We'll never make it. The pressure would kill us if that thing doesn't get to us first. Our only option. I'm grabbing the mask. Everything is piled on the floor. You, you won't find them. We're going to get them. That thing is ramming it into the submersible. Look, it, it knows we're here and it's following us. At this rate, it's going to shatter the window before we even make it to the midnight zone. If we were close, we'd be seeing blue. Do you see a light? I think I see something. No, your, your, your brain is tricking you. We've already been in the dark too long. Machine. <laughs> what are you having for breakfast, Romy? What? What are you going to order? I, I don't know. I. I... Well, I'm going to have pancakes with sausages. Why aren't we moving? Why did we stop? I... I think I must have pulled the lever the wrong way. What are you saying? What? Did we just... Are we... At the bottom... At the very bottom of the Mariana Trench. <laughs> yeah. I'm gonna get crepes. Hmm. Crepes, huh? With the extra strawberries. 
My daughter loves them. They're her favourite. Considering the situation, I think breakfast is on me, okay? Okay. Romy. Romy, hold my hand. Please, hold, hold my hand. Lindsay Partain and my pronouns are she her. Welcome to the Ragged Scratch podcast Lindsay. Thank you so much for having me I'm so excited. Well we're excited you're here and I'm very excited that you're here right now as well because you're one of our American writers. Uh, you have made an extra special effort to make this interview happen. Because <laughs> what time is it where you are right now? <laughs> it's a little after one o'clock in the morning yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so thank you so much for staying up so late and, and drinking all the coffee to to stay awake to be with us. Could you tell us a little bit about yourself, please? So I am, I'm fairly new to playwriting. I've, I, I've been writing longer than I think I've been writing plays. When I was a kid, mm. I was always coming up with stories and I wanted to write novels and flash fiction. Um, and that was what I went to college for. Eventually, I wanted to be an English major and maybe teach or something like that. But my dialogue was trash. And I was like, you know what? I'm just going to take a playwriting class. And I think it took like a week, two weeks, something like that. And I was like, I need to change my major. This is, this is such a perfect fit. This is, this is easy. This is, like, this is what I'm supposed to be doing. And that was 2014, 2015 when I took my first class. And then in 2017, I actually started like really writing and focusing on submitting things. Mm. That's about the time when I really officially started calling myself a playwright. Do you have a favorite piece that you'd like to talk about? This was the one question where I was just like, mm, I don't know. How do I pick one of my children and say, <laughs> yes, you're my favorite? Um, <laughs> Throw the rest I, in the bin. Give us your favorite child. Get out. <laughs> See, I, for me, I don't really know that I have like a favorite play. I think that so each of my pieces are so... There's so much a part of me mm. that I feel very close to, I, I'm going to say like 98% of them. The other 2% are trolls. <laughs> but I think that the plays that excite me the most are the ones that have a lot to do with magic. Yeah. And, and not even like magic in like a bewitched sort of mm. sense, but like in the everyday sort of magic where it's just people being good to each other or like invoking something that is very intimate and lovely. And um, I don't know, I think that there's something really precious and really magical, like in the in those interactions. And the two plays where I feel like I do that best are going to be in my full length play, Sabrina and the Thunderbird. And it has a lot to do with like the local mythology and folklore of the Pacific Northwest. Mm -hmm. And in one of my really early plays, but it's called Shimmers. Like people pull stars and galaxies out of their pockets. And it's all about love and like this gift of intimacy and friendship and like how much we're willing to like give away to be in love and to show love. So 
I think, yeah, favorite pieces, it's going to be around that theme. Nice. (laughs) Quite romantic and lovely. I'm a little bit of a romantic. (laughs) Guilty. (laughs) To come back to Monsters Beyond the Midnight Zone. Yeah. Very realistic in terms of the tone and the setting, but then there is that sense of supernaturalism around the creature in a way mm-hmm. so let, let's talk about that is the the deep sea and the creatures that we've observed down there is that something you've always been interested in i'm trying to remember exactly where i like pulled the like the cthulhu sort of idea mm. oh there it is i had this friend years ago in college who was obsessed with squids mm. and they would always be going on about like how smart they were but also how deadly they are I think that I started looking into colossal squid and like world's biggest squids and just all sorts of wild, creepy things. Um, yeah. So I guess the the Cthulhu and the Lovecraftian reference, like, I don't know that it was necessarily intentional. I think it was m- more meant to be like the scary of the realistic, like unexplored places of of the deep. Yeah. I I think I'm terrified of the ocean. <laughs> And I am terrified of open water and also a little scared of the dark. But when you put those two things together, I'm like, okay, what is the most terrifying thing? It's like, oh, yes, like I'm going to be like so excited. I'm going to explore new places and new things. And then this thing that I can't see and I can't fight against is just going to completely squash the life out of me. For the audience's benefit, obviously in the dialogue, we never actually uncover what the creature is. But mm. in the script, you explicitly say it's a it's a shoal of colossal squid. I do. Yes. Yeah. Cool. So do you have anything else coming up that you'd like to plug or talk about? I have a couple of pieces coming up in, in books that are about to be published through Applause. So you can find... A 10-minute piece of mine in the 2020 applause, uh, best 10 minutes, uh, 10-minute plays of 2020. And then I also have monologues in their uh, men's and women's monologues books that are coming out. So I'm super stoked about that. (laughs) And then I am also, I actually, I just joined this theater as one of their resident artists. It's Theater Visera and they're a company here in Portland. Um, But they're going to be producing a podcast version of my solo show uh titled the way you made me uh, and that'll be coming out next summer do they already have their own podcast stream or are they setting up a new one for that they do actually and they um so they've done quite a few shows at this point uh so that's another great place to find audio theater i actually just helped them with the resurrectionist uh which is a super fun like zombie romantic comedy like a zombie rom-com nice. um <laughs> And you can hear me play a zombie love interest on there and do my very best not to butcher Hank Williams. (laughs) Amazing. Yeah. Name drop the feed again, and I'll make sure to put it in the show notes. Yes, it is uh, Theater Visera. It's V-I-S-C-E-R-A. And then if you want to follow my work, you can find me on Instagram, and it's just at Lindsay Partain. Um, And then the rest of my work is also on New Play Exchange. Brilliant. Thank you so much, Lindsay. Thank you. This was so lovely. Thank you so much to Lindsay, as well as Ross, Sarah and Alex for their work on Monsters Beyond the Midnight Zone. A slight correction from the interview, Lindsay's works can be found in Applause Books 2021 collections, not the 2020 collections. But details are in the show notes alongside our shout outs for this week. 
You may remember a few episodes ago I announced that actor for Something Wild, Bethan Dixon Bate, was up for a Society of Voice Arts Award for her narration of the animated film The Curious Child. Well, I am delighted to announce the fantastic news that she won. So huge congratulations, Bethan, alongside all of the other winners. Thank you to everyone who's tuned in to Uncanny Collective's Warnings to the Curious Festival of Christmas Ghost Storytelling, and especially to those who bought tickets to see me perform Rihanna Owen's story, Baby It's Cold Inside. Whilst the festival is now over, if you're still in the mood for something spooky, then Uncanny Collective also run a weekly horror podcast, The Darkness Between Us. Sarah Lynham, our Romy in Monsters Beyond the Midnight Zone, is one quarter of the Uncanny Collective, and her voice can be heard throughout the podcast, so do take a listen and subscribe to that. Molly Sweeney, the writer of our final play this season, recently had one of her plays, Peer Support, produced online by Kick It Down Productions. It was streamed live on the 19th of November, and the replay will be available to watch soon on Kick It Down's website. Details for everything I've just talked about are in the show notes. So, given that this podcast is going out on Christmas Eve, it felt apt to include a very special Christmas-themed play, Molly Sweeney's A Very Special Gift. With a content warning for swearing throughout, this piece was directed by me, edited and sound designed by Sean Barber, and stars Kelly Condron as Holly, Barry Ring as Noel, and Natalie Berrin in a cameo as the storm manager. Christmas is busy feeding his reindeer, but he will be back at a quarter to twelve. He's just through here. Be quick though, he's got to be back in the grotto in ten. Thanks. Holly, what were you doing here? They said you were on your break and I could come in. Yeah, no, cool, cool, cool. Uh, great. So, how are you? I'm good, yeah. I mean, how are you? <laughs> well, I'm jolly, obviously. No, it's great. I'm lucky to have a job, aren't I? They're going to go for a younger Santa because it's a lot of ho, 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 two metres. And who wouldn't want to be Santa, you know? So, um... Looking well, forward to Christmas? <laughs> sorry. Sorry, sorry. <laughs> Jenny and I are going to get an Indian and watch Shit's Creek and pretend this year didn't happen. Jenny, my sister, not... Not Jenny, my best friend. <laughs> no, that's good. Uh, I'm going with Grace to her parents. Wow. Well, that's a bit... Oh, it's great. <laughs> it's a real family Christmas. Yeah, well, we just got so close so quickly. Great. Yeah, she's a really nice person. She's so warm and she's a photographer, so she's very understanding of what it's like being a creative. I'm sure. Have you heard the news about Dan? Amazing. I'm so pleased for him, especially now. Yeah, I mean, it's the dream for him. It must be weird for no, you, No, it's though. great. He really deserves it. I mean, Hamlet. I, I feel maybe we need to calm down a little with the Hamlet. I mean, I'd love to have a go at Henry V. 
So if the young Vic called, you'd turn them down? Well, yeah. I've got to be Father Christmas, so, I, yeah, I'd tell them to fuck off. <laughs> <laughs> well, you know, enough about well, that. No, it's, it, I mean, it's fine. It's just I've, um... I've got something to tell you. OK. I've not got ages of my break left. It's just... You're dressed as Santa. Yeah, I know. Not Hamlet, Santa. What are you doing? Why are you shutting your eyes? I can't tell you this when you're dressed as Santa. Okay. You know when we split up? Well, I feel like there was a bit of an overlap for both of us. That wasn't for me. I, I slept with Dan. What? I'm really sorry. What? Dan slept with you? I carried him through drama school, you know. I got him his first gig. Now he's Hamlet. Oh, hey, mate. Can't make drinks. Let me know if you're coming to see the show. Not even a comp. You slept with him. How could he? No. Um, unbelievable. Unbelievable. Can you open your eyes, please? No. I didn't sleep with Dan. What? I didn't sleep with Dan. There's something else. You just said you did. I've got chlamydia. What? But I didn't sleep with Dan. Why did you... What? Okay, so... Maybe I might have given you chlamydia. And I am really sorry about that. But crucially, I didn't sleep with Dan. Oh, well, that's fine then. I mean, my ex-girlfriend cheated on me. And then I might have infected my new girlfriend. (sighs) Fuck. I'm really looking forward to Christmas now, sitting around the dinner table, eating pigs in blankets, thinking, oh shit, I've given your daughter the clap. But at least you didn't sleep with Dan. I mean, that is such a weird, manipulative thing to do. Are you drunk? No. I mean, I had a drink. God, it's half eleven. This is a difficult conversation. If it wasn't Dan, who was it? (sighs) My flatmate, James, in April. Well, there was no one else I could legally bang. I can't believe you managed to get an STI this year. I mean, didn't you think to use a fucking condom? It broke. Okay. Fuck. I'm sorry. Look, here's what you have to do. Thank you. You didn't sleep with Dan? No, I didn't sleep with Dan. (sighs) Fine. You know I've got to be Santa in five minutes. You realised you've ruined some kid's Christmas now. Why was Father Christmas so sad, Mummy? I just thought if I didn't do it now, I'd never do it. I'm, I'm trying to do the right thing. A little bit late for that. Who else have you told? No one. Have you told your friends? Your sister? I've told no one else, as I said. Well, you should, you know. What? I mean, like your sister. In case you get ill over Christmas. <laughs> yeah, that's not how it works. I don't have any symptoms. And I'm not sure why this is any of your business. But what if you get ill over Christmas? Do you really want to go to the hospital at the moment? I just think you should tell her. Whatever, fine. Tell her you've got chlamydia and you gave it to me. Why, why would you want me to tell her that I gave you chlamydia? I mean, just because... Oh, my God. I feel really bad about this. I, I may have slept with Jenny. You mean Jenny, your best friend? No, I mean Jenny, your sister. I gave my sister chlamydia. Oh, God. Oh, God, I I, I can't deal with this. We're even now. (laughs) 
<laughs> we are really, really not. You cheated on me. We were basically broken up. But do you know why I said I slept with Dan? Because that's the worst thing I could have done. And, and this is so much worse. Dan's my best mate. Jenny is my sister. <sighs> I, I gave my sister chlamydia. <laughs> I gave Santa chlamydia who gave it to my sister. Why would, why would she sleep with you? When? <laughs> Oli, Oli I, I didn't sleep with Jenny. Either your sister or my best friend. I slept with Dan. Oh, fuck you with Dan. Yeah. If anyone like a journalist asks about his sexuality, he's very private about his personal life. <laughs> no, I mean, like, Dan's really good looking. Thank you very much. No, no but, but... Really? Yeah. When? He just got the phone call about Hamlet, but he couldn't tell anyone. And I was feeling really down about us, so I... And we... So Grace is just... No, Grace is lovely. I really like her, actually. He's seeing someone... Sorry. Is close friends with a well-known actor. And actors make terrible boyfriends. You know that. Well, hopefully he'll actually text me back when I tell him I've given him chlamydia. Two minutes, Santa. Shit, I've got to get back into the zone. <clears throat> Have you been a good girl this year? <laughs> Fuck off. Go and get yourself checked out. Yeah, of course. Here's the leaflet that they said I had to give you. Merry Christmas. Merry Christmas. Ho, ho, ho! Merry Christmas! Two meters! Molly Ann Sweeney and my pronouns are she, her. Hello Molly, welcome back to the Ragged Scratch podcast. Thank you so much, it's really great to be here. It's, well, here, I mean not in my bedroom obviously. <laughs> From across the interwebs you have joined us. <laughs> You're another writer returning again this season. In season two we featured your play Help Me Learn. So thank you for wanting to write something else for us. So Help Me Learn explored AI algorithms learning to communicate with domestic abuse survivors, which was quite a, a serious piece. This is, this is very different. What Can you tell us, because that was at the start of the year, what have you been up to since then? So I work for a charity as well as writing, so I didn't have the kind of furlough thing. Mm -hmm. I mean, I've been quite lucky. Some, a couple of like online projects, including this, have sort of happened, and I was part of a, a sort of socially distanced theatre festival in in the summer that was really great so it's not nice. been uh, it's been good from a writing point of view if nothing else one of the my uh, coping mechanisms has been to kind of think of it from a writer's point of view rather mm -hmm. than uh, as a person because that's too horrific and it is fascinating it's been an amazing sort of time 
uh, about how people react and, and the various ways that people react in the ways you would have probably anticipated how quickly you can get used to things as well so I think as a writer there, uh, you know there are lots of interesting things about human behavior that I can take from this year yeah it was definitely something going into this season where I was conscious that was there was going to be a lot of writing that was influenced by or centered around or exploring how this has affected us and I was conscious about I didn't want the entire season to be about that so I kind of selected pieces where yes there are some that do explore it but all those pieces like yours where it's it's there in the background but it's not really the focus you know it, it might provide a, a kind of a, a plot point in that he was the only one I could legally bang <laughs> thing because it was lockdown but it's not like exploring covid necessarily from that aspect mm, definitely that makes sense yeah it's going to be really weird one of the things that's really hard is writing things set now in inverted commas because mm. well when is now is it when we have the vaccine and it's all a sort of memory is it in new zealand or taiwan or something is it just beforehand well it's not a part of our lives at all so yeah that was an interesting challenge mm. There's one thing that you didn't mention that actually I remembered at the very start of the year before this was a thing. I saw you, you did a, a new writing night with Yellowcoat Theatre Company as well. Oh, you had yeah. a monologue on there. That was really fun. That was amazing. And now I remember like at the time going, Ooh, I wonder if uh, there might, you know, we might not be able to do this sort of thing. And then like lockdown. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> so it, it just feels like uh, the sort of time from another year. But that's from a, a larger project which I've been developing and I uh, hopefully I was going to do a reading in April, which obviously didn't happen. So hopefully mm -hmm. I'll do one in the spring at the Cockpit Theatre in London. Fantastic. For the listener's benefit, do you want to give a very brief pricey of what the piece was? So that piece is about um, climate change and it's sort of about somebody coming, returning to where they grew up and looking at the sea and being aware of the fact that due to sea level rise, the kind of view that she's grown up with her whole life and all of the memories that she associates with that are, is going to disappear so just the sort of cheery stuff we need <laughs> and when you say it like that you say it like that it sounds like the most serious like oh my god sort of piece but it was actually, it was also hysterical <laughs> oh well that's very kind thank you Let's talk about a very special gift. That's what we're here to talk about. So at the risk of sounding like I'm, I'm fishing for very personal details, which I'm not, <laughs> was there anything particular that inspired you to write a very special gift? And I don't mean from the court and STI perspective. I mean from the, the situation. or Well, it, it is the STI perspective, but fortunately not in the way that you could hear that. So my mum works, she, she used to work for an STI clinic, basically. Mm -hmm. And so she'd sort of come home and you'd be like, oh, I've had a really difficult day, you know, and she'd be like, well, I told eight people they had chlamydia because, that, and, and would sort of sometimes refer to times of year like GCSE results day, uh, obviously New Year's, Eve, Christmas, etc. Oh, we're going to be so busy in a month. So the STIs were such a big part mm. of my life <laughs> and talking about them with my mum. Mm. And it is very funny because it's like you're sort of morally required to have an awkward conversation. Yeah. Uh, you know, you're almost required by law to be, you know, not quite by law, but it's very clear that this is what you ought to do. 
is to have just this very embarrassing moment and I think that's quite a sort of funny juxtaposition. My mum, she used to be a sex education teacher when I was a teenager and she did teach at my brother's school, not at my school, but she, when you used to come up from sort of the ground floor to the first floor of our house, up the stairs, so just as you got to the top of the stairs, there was a bookcase that my mum used to store all of her facilities, so mm. blue penises, like mm -hmm. leaflets about gonorrhea just there and then Amazing. people come round and she'd be like I remember she showed an estate agent round once and she got up to the top and he she was sort of just talking and he looked it was like looking really awkward and she was like oh I should explain so that's the kind of personal connection <laughs> <laughs> fair enough thank you so much Molly uh, do you have anything else coming up at all? I've been working with a company called Kick It Down that was formed in the pandemic uh, to create sort of live, live streamed theatre. So I've created a piece called Peer Support, which has just come out uh, when we're uh -huh. listening to this because it'll be out on the 19th of December, which is in the past for the people listening. And is that something that's going to be streamed live or is that something people can buy to watch or, or watch at any time? People can uh, watch it once it's been released, they can watch and it's uh, pay what you can. So they can Great. watch it back and then they can contribute what, what they can afford. Amazing. Yeah. Support the arts. Pay pay for this. <laughs> Brilliant. And for those who haven't heard your previous interview or, or listened to your previous piece with us, could you please remind us where we can find you online, follow your work? Uh, yeah, absolutely. Mole Writes is my Twitter handle, M-O-L-L Writes. Or you can go to my website, which is M-A Sweeney, N-E-Y in the Sweeney, M-A-Sweeneywriter.com and watch other things that I have done or listen to other things that I have done. Brilliant. Thank you so much, Molly. Thanks very much. Thank you to Molly, Sean, Kelly and Barry for all their work on A Very Special Gift. It was a true delight to direct and work with you all. So that's it. That's the last of our plays and the end of season three. When I started this podcast, the idea was to emulate the rough and ready but exciting feeling of a theatre scratch night, hence the name The Ragged Scratch Podcast. But I've always prided myself on producing the best work possible under these conditions. I'm immensely proud of what everyone involved in this series has created and the standard that we've been able to produce, all whilst working remotely with varying levels of technology and experience. Whilst I, amongst many, many others, have mourned the effect that the coronavirus pandemic has had on our theatre industry, it's been an utter joy and a privilege not only to provide a space for creatives to come together and work on something fun, but also a platform to share that work on. So thank you once again to all the creatives involved in this season, from the writers, the actors, the directors, to our new sound design cohort and the wonderful team of production assistants who volunteered their time to help out behind the scenes so I didn't end up tearing my hair out. If you've enjoyed this season and wanted to show a token of appreciation for all the hard work carried out by 59 passionate and talented creatives that went into making everything happen, then you can do so by buying a ticket or a coffee on coffee.com forward slash ragged foils and that's ko-fi.com forward slash ragged foils. In the future, I would love to be in a place where I can pay everyone involved for all their skills and talent, but for now, the donations gratefully received so far have contributed to covering the costs of hosting, running and maintaining the podcast, and I'm truly thankful for every single one. Thank you, thank you so much. 
that's enough from me for now. Apart from to say that with everything going on around us, I wish you all find some sparks of comfort and joy over the holiday season. And may the new year bring you new opportunities. Ta-ra for now. The Ragged Scratch podcast brought to you by Ragged Falls Productions was produced and hosted by Natalie Winter. Play edits by Ross Berman and Sean Barber. Episode edits by Natalie Winter. The Ragged Scratch podcast theme music was composed by Alex Jones. This season's production assistants were Natalie Chisholm, Natalie Barron, Victoria Taylor-Roberts, Molly Sweeney, Ellie Gill and Rosemary Lickard. You can find us online at Ragged Foils across Twitter, Facebook and Instagram, where we've been tagging this week's creatives so you can find out more about them and their work. If you've enjoyed this episode, please consider supporting us with a donation on coffee.com forward slash Ragged Foils. All donations will go back into making the podcast as best we can. Tell your friends about us so more people can enjoy and celebrate audio plays, and we'll see you next time.